0: Welcome back to the Reading and Writing Podcast. My guest today is Asha Simonovich, author of the science fiction novel Fire of the Dark Triad that has been nominated for the prestigious British Science Fiction Award for Best Novel. Asha, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you very much. And uh, I'm very glad to be here today, and uh, I'm very honored uh, uh, to speak to you.
0: Great. I'm honored too. Well, if someone listening hasn't yet heard about your debut novel, Fire of the Dark Triad, how would you describe the novel?
1: It's the my answer is going to be a little bit um, um, convoluted in a sense, but it's it's it, it has a good reason why. When I started writing this novel, I really wanted to say everything which I had in my Had It was literally uh, every single thing which bothered me, which worried me, which concerned me uh, for many, many years. I wanted to talk about uh, nature of creativity. I wanted to talk about dangers of genetic engineering. I wanted to talk about uh, totalitarian regime and how creativity uh, exists in totalitarian regimes. So there were lots of themes which were coming uh, into one uh, place. But until I came up with a plot, uh, it was just kind of um, fragmented pieces of uh, in my head. And then there was a plot which once I woke up and I, I had it in my head. And then I realized that this story is going to be about Earth, which decided to get rid of bad traits of human personality there is a three uh, um personality traits which mm-hmm. form so-called the dark triad and it's a real psychological term it was introduced in 2002 and it's been extremely heavily researched in um a scientific uh literature if you just google the dark triad you will see how many scientific references and then how many uh peer-reviewed articles are out there. So it's not, um, as I immediately, initially thought, I, when I heard the, uh, the term in the very beginning, I was thinking, oh, it's some kind of like science fiction or <laughs> fantasy. Turned out, no, that's actually a real thing. It's a personality which formed by the three uh, separate um, but overlapping uh, traits, which is again, uh, psychopathy, Uh, Machiavellism and narcissism and we all heard about them before uh, but what we didn't know, what I didn't know that the three personality traits they have something in common and they all um, they all are a result of so-called fast life strategy there is about 1% of people who have this personality trait and those people are different they wired differently and if you think about um characters in movies and in mm-hmm. books like james bond on scarlet the you could see that james bond and scarlet the are somewhat different from normal people they more intense the more egotistic they more um selfish but they're also charming. They're also somebody who we can um, entertain ourselves with watching their stories, and uh, they never they never boring. And then the whole plot came in my head that that bad personality traits, which by the way are the uh, manifested the best in those characters like James Bond and Scarlett Hara. You can think how they all three of them, uh, all two of them fit with three um, uh, psychological, uh, slides of psychological profile. Um, Suppose we want to get rid of those traits, because people like that were dangerous in the past, they're dangerous now, they are selfish, they are intense, and they don't think about anything else except for their own um, interests. And then many years passes, and suddenly something happens with Earth, starts losing something, and they don't know what, what, what exactly that quality which Earth is losing. And um, uh, in the book, uh, Earth creates um, a bunch of colonies, and it cuts uh, connections with those colonies. So when Earth decides to get rid of that uh, malevolent trait, the dark trade trait, the trade still stays on the colonies, colonies, but it's gone from Earth, and the colonies become more and more dangerous. And they uh, develop their technology, and they start um, uh, threatening Earth. And suddenly, Earth realizes it cannot fight back. It doesn't have technology. It doesn't have. Uh, it hasn't made enough progress to stand to its own colonies to people uh, who now potentially want to. Um, in weight. And they do some research and they realize that part of the reason they can't uh, compete anymore, it's because they lost that uh, genetical trait, the one which was considered to be malevolent and the one which got, uh, was uh, erased from the human DNA. And the only way to make uh, Earth competitive again is to get those trades back. And then we have a bunch of people. It's basically your James Bond types. It's people uh, who are very um, intense, who are very uh, um, uh, inquisitive, who are manipulative. Uh, They put together this force which goes to the former colonies to look for people with those dark tried trades and they want um, this force which they call headhunters to find those dark tried people, find them on those uh, colonies, convince them to go to Earth and um, then could not be coerced, they had to be convinced and um, I bring them back to Earth and then Earth was using those people for future development so it's extremely high-paced thriller it's um uh, lots of people uh, uh refer to it as a, a science fiction thriller psycho thriller uh, because it has to do with one of the head hunter who is um searching different colonies uh, for the dark triads. And then he runs into all kinds of situations. He um, has to work in different societies and uh, post-apocalyptic society in totalitarian society. And then he runs into issues. He runs into personal uh, situations, um, which he has to uh, resolve. And that basically he needs to save some people. He needs to save So it's extremely high-paced story, and you can read it from both perspectives. You can read it as a James Bond thriller, or you can read it as um, uh, thinking about all these multiple layers of um, uh, ideas and concerns, like the territorial regime, uh, dangers of generic, uh, generic engineering. So... It's a multifaceted uh, book, which could be, again, considered from uh, many different points of view. I, I don't know if I, I thought sorry, I was a little bit long and as no, no, I that's, that's fine. convoluted, but uh, that's how that book actually um, what it is. It's, it's not convoluted in the end. It's uh, sure. the is very straightforward, but there were lots of ideas which came to that book. Sure and And I'm
0: curious, had had you wanted to write fiction before you sat down to write this book? because I know that you you know had a career on Wall street, I think, and 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 other jobs. Were you always writing fiction at the time or or what no, what, caused, no. what caused you to sit down and finally start writing Fire of the dark triad
1: that's That's my first book. I've never written anything before. And um I just uh, mentioned uh, answering the previous question. It was this desire, like one day I woke up and then I realized, you know, there are so many things I wanted to tell people. And I wanted to, I, I, I don't like to get into, um, you know, political discussions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I wanted to get my worldview, all my political thinking, all my um, experience in life uh, in. That was, again, multifaceted experience. It was growing up in Uzbekistan. It was coming to the United States. It was, um, which is actually two different worlds, right? You can consider it as a two, um, um, I would say, uh, different planets in a sense, right? So, sure. especially considering that I was coming from uh, the uh, Iron Curtain, um, my work in Wall Street, all those things uh, had something which I, had something to say and then one day i woke up and i decided you know what i just there is this um saying which i don't remember who um who said that but i really like like that it's a little bit um um, on a humorous side uh the, the saying is writing as well as being you do it when you cannot hold it anymore
0: sure so that's so, what
1: happened. I just couldn't hold it anymore. One day.
0: So I'm curious. After after writing the Fire of the Dark, uh, Fire of the Dark Triad, are you planning on writing more books? have you started writing other novels?
1: Well, um, the I didn't really plan to do that, but the uh, first book uh, ends essentially on a cliffhanger. So to some extent, I have to. <laughs> I uh, owe it to the uh, readers because almost everybody who read the book, uh, the reviews I have, uh, the reviews on uh, publications on Amazon, on Reddit, I get people saying we want the sequel. Uh, but the most important thing is that there are other things which I really want to say now, and they didn't get into the first book for several reasons. First of all, it was not on top of my mind. And secondly, uh, there were too much in the first book anyway. And the sequel, which I'm writing right now, it's called Regressor. And it's about manipulation. Like one of the um, uh, personality traits of the Dark Triad is Machiavellism. And Machiavellism is ability to convince people, to make people do what that particular of the dark personality want them to do without understanding that and that sort of was the original push and then i look around and there is this anger it's almost um rage which i feel when i can see how it easy it is to manipulate people how easy it is for governments to manipulate people for individuals to manipulate people for media to manipulate people and it makes me so angry and I wanted to talk about that. And that's basically the main, um, uh, the main topic of the second book. It has to do with the same protagonist, uh, with the same character as in, uh, of the dark ride in, in fact, majority of the characters continue, um, in the sequel, but there is a bit of a shift. Uh, it's, uh, as I said, especially looking at the current events in the world, um, it became even more relevant, I would say, in the last several weeks when um, uh, we're dealing with um, current Deep events point. in Ukraine and Russia. And in fact, um, I'm deviating a little bit of your uh, question, uh, but I wanted to say that in, it, it's a little bit scary. And Hvarov-Dak-Triot almost exactly describes the events which are happening right now in Russia. And um, I read the um, speech of Vladimir Putin yesterday, mm-hmm. and then I opened my book this morning, and it almost like as if it's translation of his speech. There wow. is a I don't want to give um, away too much of a plot, but both what's happening and his specific speech. Where it's literally written there. It's it's there. And actually wow. more so there are some events which happening in the book which basically um uh set the plot in motion, they also already happened.
0: So I guess he's a good example of the dark triad.
1: He's a good example. Uh he's definitely a good triad, a dark triad, not a good uh triad. Not a good but, one. Yeah. Not yeah. a good one, yes. But if you think about it, he is absolutely and I'm actually uh very impressed Jeff, that you actually uh picked up on that because he fits all three um traits per- perfectly like narcissism have you seen sure. pictures of him shooting uh not shooting actually somebody shot the tiger and I think he was right, like right, yeah. to his wounds um his pictures riding uh on horses uh uh, without like a shirt, right right like, yeah uh, his, um the picture when he claims that he went um to sub uh, scuba um, uh, diving and he found some ancient um, you know artifacts right I mean and and it's all on the television. it's all out there. Uh, there is a guardian article which says uh, putting men in action. And it's all narcissistic uh, behavior. It's basically behavior to attract attention and to show how tough and cool a person is and not just to keep it to himself, but actually to show it and um, make people perceive him as the best, strongest, um, charismatic person. Uh, Machiavellism, I don't think we need to talk much about that, right? I mean, not what's happening right now, but what's happening before, and how he was very carefully operated on both internal uh, political scene and external political scene. Uh, that's a perfect example of Machiavellism and psychopathy. Like, I mean, you have to have psychopathy to start what he's doing now, right? Sure. You have to be bold. You have to be impulsive and you, you, you are dangerous. Very true. Well,
0: I- I'm curious when you were working on Fire of the Dark Triad. What What was the writing process like for you? Were, were you um, did you outline the novel before you started writing? Did you just dive into the narrative? How did that work?
1: Um, it's uh, Jeff. It's a good question. Um, the first, uh, I knew the major topics, the major themes which I wanted to cover, which I mentioned before, but then. There was some kind of a plot, like a meta plot in my head, Mm -hmm. which I knew, I knew how it needs to start, how it needs to end. And um, then I, it's actually very interesting um, how I went about actually writing. Yes, it was an outline, but the outline was put together by like the following. I'm the main character. I'm Nick. And I have to do something, which is almost impossible to do, which is almost uh, beyond human ability to do. So I have to go step by step. I have obstacles here and there. I have to go around them. That's why people who review the book, uh, they always say that it's full of uh, twists and turns. And I didn't try to write the book specifically to create twists and turns. It's like somebody wants something and there are a bunch of obstacles in between. How you go around these obstacles and every step includes some kind of a twist because you just cannot go straight. There are too many things which prevent you you from achieving the goal. So if it makes sense, it's almost like I was living uh, with the main character. Uh, I was living, going through um, beginning to the end of the plot, trying to um, trying to make it happen. This is the story of the one.
0: That's great. Well, what writing advice would you offer for those who are writing their own sto- stories or novels?
1: Um, it's it's uh, it's a bit it's again it's a very tricky question, Jeff, and it's um, a, a little bit hard for me to uh, speak with authority because it's my first book, and I had very specific um, uh, ways how. I dealt with many things, uh, mm-hmm. but I have a couple of advice. First of all, one thing which I would like to get out of the way is like, lots of people are saying, oh, you need dedication or you need discipline. I'm not going to say any of that. You know, I'm not disciplined person and I'm not person who you can say extremely dedicated. I am, I was obsessed about that book. I was getting up every morning and especially when I was working still on Wall Street and um, I was... Um, I was getting up at four o'clock every morning, and my hands were like literally shaking uh, that I have like three, four hours to write before I can uh, I need to start getting for for my work day. And I was doing it every day for whatever number of months, years I wrote that book, every single day was starting with me waking up and like my hands shaking until I would sit down at the computer and start writing. So if you don't have this obsession, I don't know what they say. I mean, you asked advice. It's not really an advice. It's more like observation that if you have the obsession, then it's going to work. If you don't have the obsession, if you have to make yourself right, I don't know how that would work. But again, as I said, it's my personal experience. And another thing, which I potentially think may be helpful for people, you've heard about things, writer's block, right? And I've heard about sure. that before. Uh, I started writing and, um, I realized that um, the way it works for me, I wake up in the morning and I start writing and it just doesn't go anywhere. I'm sitting in front of the computer. I'm staring at it. Nothing's come out. It's completely, the head is completely empty. Um, uh, There is a block. And what do I do about it? And then you start panicking. And then you kept thinking about the book. And it's like in the back of your head. It's in your subconscious and one day you just realize, you know why you couldn't write it? Because you put yourself in a corner. You wanted one of your characters to do something, which is characters simply cannot do the way you constructed this particular character. This personality is not going to do that. And you were trying to force something very unnatural into the plot. And that's its force falling apart.
0: Yeah, that so, that, that makes sense.
1: So so I would say that instead of panicking why you're having a writer's block, why you cannot try it, just give it time, think about it, let it sit, let it percolate. And then again, at least in my case, one day it would become clear why you couldn't try it. It's not because you lost it. It's not because you lost ability, not because you lost talent. It's because you didn't think through some of the most important pieces. And if you continue, it's almost like self um um preservation instinct you don't want to go into direction and waste your time and effort uh whereas something to work anyway is going to fall flat
0: sure that makes sense
1: that's, pro- that's probably my main, uh, main advice uh which i would consider potentially useful for somebody
0: that's great well what novels have you read recently that you enjoyed
1: I've been um, reading a lot of science fiction recently, and um, when you said new novel, do you mean like new for me or recently published? Or, or
0: new to you. I mean, it's fine.
1: Okay, so um, I've been going through uh, lots, of, uh, lots of literature, which I potentially, some of them I read before, and I wanted to read uh, sequels, like, for example... I really like Terry Pratchett. Uh he mm-hmm. is one of my favorite uh sci-fi writer. And when I feel bad or somehow just need something light and uh something with a beautiful humor, I, I just go back to his books. Um uh one of the latest books which I read it's um uh it's called Maurice and his um uh, sorry, uh, Jeff, I okay. can't remember. the. It, it is a long name. Um, it was actually written in the children's book. And mm-hmm. I realized how deep it is and how many layers, again, of philosophy and um, social thinking he uh, put into this book. And that was my last Terry Pratchett book, which I really uh, appreciated. And in terms of um, non science fiction literature, uh, I've been reading again more like classics. I Mm -hmm. reread Bulgakov. And the reason Bulgakov is one of my um, favorite writers to whom I keep going back over and over again um, is because he is at least trying. I mean, I was trying to do at least what he was doing to talk about the same topics, the same uh, eternal topics. And my one of my favorite books is Master Margarita, which again I keep coming back and rereading, and I did it recently. The epigraph uh, f- to my book is actually from Master Margarita, and it's um, uh, Satan is speaking. And again, we're talking Satan, we're talking uh, devil, which is evil, which is your dark triad. And the epigraph of, uh, in a, a epigraph on my book, uh, he's saying essentially don't get rid of evil because you don't know what else you're going to get rid of in the process. You will um, destroy living creatures um, and objects which are not evil if you try to uh, specifically target evil and uh, get rid of uh, everyday life. So I would say that I've been um, coming to classic recently a lot. Uh, Nabokov and his Lalita. it's one of my favorite um, books. And again, I, I reread it recently because of the language, because of um, this beauty of Nabokov's way of writing. So that's, I would say, uh, the latest. So I've been mostly rereading... Uh, classics and my favorite uh, writers um, uh, then rather than picking up a, a complete something which came up recently.
0: Sure. Well, where can people find you online if they'd like to learn more about you and your novel fire of the dark triad?
1: I would say that the uh, standard answer would be um, an easy answer would be to go to my website, which is called uh, darktriadbooks.com. And it's specifically books because uh, at this point, I already knew that I'm going to be writing SQL. so it's um website which is um providing uh, up to date information and gives a uh, description of uh that dark uh, and phenomenon and um uh so that's kind of the would be the main uh place obvious place um I would say that uh following me on Goodreads or um, Amazon would be a good way to see what's coming out. Like, for example, I'm working on audiobook right now because I've heard from many, many people that they actually would really like to um, to read the book, but they don't have time and they would really appreciate the uh, version, audiobook version. So that's another thing which I'm doing. Um, and, for example, information when it's going to be available, it will be on Goodreads and it's going to be on Amazon and it's going to be my website. But I would like to mention something else. I've sure. been um, uh, very much um, reddit person. I don't have my personal profiles or Instagram or Facebook. Mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm basically shying of um, the social media, uh, which makes you kind of showcast your life uh, non-anonymously. And Rain was my refuge because it's anonymous and it became non-anonymous only about a month ago when I actually mentioned my book before it was just a handle. And, um, I put my other work there. I make memes. I make surreal memes. Um, (laughs) I do some photography. I, um, sometimes put quotes of my favorite authors. So, it, it's completely different and has nothing to do with the book That's I kept it separate on purpose. Uh, but I think it's rather interesting to follow me through that because it's, um, I have 500 um, plus karma in a little bit more than two years, which is a lot for Reddit mm-hmm. and I don't post very often. So my posts actually um, uh, get, you know, pretty good uh, upvote rate and so I, I, the reason I'm saying it because it's actually not boring. It's uh, based on the anonymous feedback. It's uh, it's entertaining. So my, sure. um, uh, if you go to my website, you will see my handle on Reddit, and that would be another reason, another way to see where I'm up to.
0: That's great. I love Reddit myself. <laughs> great. Reddit well, I... was
1: amazing. It was amazing. It gave it me is. so much feedback. Uh, I posted. Um, uh, after I got that nomination uh, for British Science Foundation, I posted um, uh, about it on r slash science fiction, r slash cyberpunk. And I got such an overwhelming amount of feedback and uh, the conversations I had there, it was just amazing. And it's all completely anonymous, which made me feel good because it made it, it made me think, you know, those people, uh, they saying, Whatever they want to say, they, they don't uh, center themselves and they still they still interesting. They still like the book.
0: That's great. Well, again, we've been speaking with Asya Simonovich, author of the science fiction novel Fire of the Dark Triad that has been nominated for the prestigious British Science Fiction Award for Best Novel. And the novel is available now. So go buy a copy. And thanks for doing this interview.
1: Thank you very much for having me.
3: Absolutely. Great. Without noticing me, Ramir walked straight to the counter and punched some sequins on its surface. A small round bottle popped up from underneath. He unscrewed its top section, converting it into a glass and took several hurried gulps. Only after that did he glance at the room. I put down the tablet, raised my hand in greeting, and he slowly approached. He looked completely different than on stage. The light in his eyes was gone and... So was the aura of desperate energy. His face had a haunted expression, and the glass in his hand was trembling. Why don't you join me? I pretended to be oblivious about his condition. He pulled a chair to my table and sat down. It seemed that he was glad to see another living soul. I thought that things were unfolding quite nicely. How are you? My question sounded almost mocking, but he didn't seem to care. He was sufficiently drunk. Yeah, he looked around as if determining the degree of hostility of various objects. It hurts. The lights are too bright. If they would just turn down the lights, it would be much easier. He took several more gulps and the muscles in his face relaxed slightly. I watched, pondering my next step. Even though it was unethical to exploit his current state, there was nothing technically wrong with it, and his shaky grasp on reality could be very useful for my first move. I am from Earth, he didn't seem to hear. We're not aggressive, I continued, observing his reaction. We don't plan to invade. Your news is made up. He contemplated me in the most focused manner he could muster and nodded. No doubt, but these, he waved his hand in the air. This place has official surveillance. You aren't cautious enough to be a spy, I'm afraid. Very funny of you, though. I passed him the news tablet. Take a look. He shrugged and took it in his hands. Here, show him views from the security cameras, I said. The screen flashed and Ramir's expression changed. He put the tablet on the table carefully, as if it was about to explode in his face. Then he pulled his chair away from me, and his images projected on the newsletter in different angles. And in each of them, my chair was empty. A light panic appeared in his eyes. Who is here?" He asked and nervously looked around the room. And this, he pointed to the screen, this can't do that. He started to slowly get up, not taking his eyes away from my face. Now I needed to act quickly. I can do more than that, I said, nodding towards the tablet. Ramir was backing away from me. Your depression, anxiety, the dark fog in your brain, your insomnia—the timing was critical. I can make it all go away. I guessed correctly. Ramir stopped. And the headache, he whispered almost inaudibly. Right, I nodded, and the headache. How quickly— he was in my biotransmission range. "'Here, give him the basic psychoanalgesic,' I ordered. Ramir's posture shifted as if a loose spring inside his body changed, now suddenly tight and stable. It was very interesting to watch. "'I don't believe in talking to people in pain,' I said. "'I needed your mind back. It will wear off by tomorrow, though. I can't cure you. It's not my specialty.' His eyes were alert and clear and incredulous. It just let go, all of it. He passed his hand across his forehead. How? I didn't answer, waiting for him to put it all together. When he did, he stepped back again. Really, Earth? I smiled reassuringly. Ramir, we want nothing from Beta Blue at large. It doesn't have anything we care about— "'I'm here because of you. "'I might offer you something that you find interesting.' "'He processed that for a moment. "'Well, whatever you did,' he said, touching his forehead again, "'I suppose you could have killed me if you wanted.' "'I continued to hold my reassuring smile. "'Kir was indeed capable of permanently shutting down a human brain. "'All headhunters' implants had this function.' as a last resort in self-defense situations. Fortunately, I had never had to use it. Uh, But you didn't, he continued. What do you want? He was studying me with intense curiosity. He didn't seem afraid. Maybe nothing. I need to find out, and then I might make you an offer. To find out if you're special. Surprisingly, he didn't look intrigued. Why do you care? I'll explain later. For now, I need you to wear this to run my test. It won't take long. I pulled the silver mask with the psychometric device from my pocket and placed it on the table. It gleamed in the dim light of the room. Ramir gave it a thoughtful look, then shrugged, sat down, and put it on. I watched as he sat very still, his body frozen in a program-induced trance, his face looking like a blind sculpture. Keir was monitoring all of the room's entrances, and all was well. Everyone was still asleep. After several minutes, the test result displayed in the center of my vision, and I mentally congratulated myself. Not only was Ramir's score above the necessary cutoff, it was also the highest I had ever seen. I multiplied it by the beta-blue difficulty coefficient, and thought that this time my luck was exceptional. "'Done,' I said, and he took off the mask. What was that? he asked, shaking his head. The standard rule was to give him a break before going into detail, not to mention that people would start waking up soon. You passed, and I have a lot to offer you. I stood up preparing to leave, but I have to go now. Wait, they always protested at this moment. You'll have a wonderful sleep, I told him before disappearing behind the door. See you soon.